Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Alan Questel, welcome to the conversation today. Thank you so much for having me, John. I really appreciate it. It is a pleasure to have you. Though you're normally located out of New Mexico, uh, you're currently joining us from the south of France. I am south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about how intentional kindness can help create a better workplace. It's a really great topic, very important. I often just lament the decline, you know, at least my perceived decline in just kindness between people and the polarization and the animosity often felt within society. Like, I think a lot could be solved if we're just kind to each other. And certainly in the workplace, I think that plays a huge role. So we're going to explore this and unpack this together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Alan's bio with everybody. Alan S. Questel is known for his clarity, creativity, and down-to-earth style of teaching. He brings a depth of understanding, humor, and gentle human perspective while creating lively conversations for learning. He has taught thousands of people in over 20 countries on five continents, trained by Dr. Feldenkrais. He has created numerous Feldenkrais programs on varied topics, including one for pregnant women. He is author of Creating Creativity, Embodying the Creative Process. He is constantly discovering how to be kinder to others and towards himself. And the practice of intentional acts of kindness takes readers through steps to broaden and sharpen their understanding of kindness. Uh, I could go on, but I'm going to pause there, Alan. Anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? Uh, I think the... The two things that I would highlight is what you mentioned, the title of the book, but there's another piece to the title, which is practice intentional acts of kindness and like yourself more. Mm. And I found that that was the first avenue I began to explore in terms of working around self-image with people. And that actually led me to the idea of acts of kindness, because the way I explored liking ourselves more was more intrapersonal within ourselves. And then I found one day I did an act of kindness. And in the next moment I realized I like myself more. And, mm. and I found that that was the, the real point, the sense of connection between others. And I'm not suggesting that we just do acts of kindness to pat ourselves on the back, but that we find that that act of kindness is one of the easiest ways to make a connection with people that we don't do enough of, I think. Yeah. I mean, we're human animals. Connection is important. I'm thinking yeah. I'm going to butcher this because it's been like decades since I've thought about this name, but I think his name is Habermas. And I think he's a German philosopher, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, he talked about the connectivity tissue uh, between human beings. And he talked about connecting via the otherness of the other. That term always stuck with me. Like we we are pulled into these these orbits with other human beings and and I, from a evolutionary psychology perspective alone you know not even to mention all the other sociological um stuff you know we we just need it we crave it we're we tend yeah. to be tribal uh yeah. you know 
sometimes to our detriment, but that's, that's how we're wired. And so connecting via other people and, and seeing and recognizing that otherness of the other, uh, and, and valuing that is all super important and, and simple acts of kindness unlock that it allows people who even vehemently disagree with each other, um, on, you know, what may be the stickiest issues when you just act, do a simple act of kindness towards that person, there's a connection there and it unlocks something in yourself. Uh, you feel better about yourself, like you said, but it, it breaks down barriers. It, it provides avenues for all sorts of new creative, you know, collaboration and cooperation between otherwise, you know, people that might really be butting heads. So man, if we could just create more intentional kindness, I think it would just go a long way. Yeah. And I think the thing about intentional kindness is that, I think we need to start with small acts that we can reproduce daily, right? Because the idea of kindness is a huge theme, you know? I mean, it includes so many different aspects as you were talking about, but that if we can find little ways every day to connect with another person and to connect with ourselves too, we find that that kind of seed that we're planting grows and grows. And as I said, it needs to be something concrete and something appreciable, and something doable. So we don't set the bar too high, but we create a bit of a challenge for ourselves. And we also have to get used to it, because often, sometimes we're given exercises to do, or things to have to do every day, and it feels like, well, this just isn't me. And the thing is, it only becomes me once we start doing it over and over again, until we go, oh, I'm actually resonating with this action more and more and more that can lead me to the next step and becoming even kinder with others and with myself. I love all that. So let's now talk about how this can apply in the workplace. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, obviously, you know, people are who are, are listening or watching this are thinking, yeah, of course, we want kind workplaces. We want to be able to work collectively together well. We want cultures of belonging and inclusion and, and all these sorts of things. Um what what are you seeing in terms of maybe perhaps the gap between aspirational goals for culture and the type of environment we have in the workplace versus the reality that many people are experiencing? Right. Well, they can seem at odds sometimes for sure. And and I would even take it a step back further to starting with ourselves, which actually I found that being kinder to ourselves is harder than being kinder to others. When I, when I was writing the book, when I got to the part about kindness to myself, I got blocked for about five years. So let's take an easy thing that we can do in the workplace every day. So the thing is, can we make the workplace a more pleasurable place for ourselves? Even before we think about it in terms of connection with others, what can I do with myself on a daily basis that allows me to feel more comfortable, safer, have a better attitude towards work in the workplace? And I can start with something that's fundamental to all of us, and easy, which is the next time you go to the water cooler or the bathroom or you leave for lunch, to just consider for a moment, can you move in a way that you like the way that feels? And I'm not talking about dancing to the bathroom. I'm talking about paying attention to a particular quality of ourselves, which was our nature as children. As children, we regulated ourselves to our sense of comfort and ease. And so If we can start doing that two, three, four times a day, you'd be surprised in a couple of months how that builds up and allows a different sense of confidence, a different sense of ability 
to then interact with others. I would say one of the most, again, I'm always interested in fundamental things, things that are true for all of us and all our different cultures and stuff, whether it's the workplace or the play place or our relationships. And, and the, one of the things that I found is fundamental here is the capacity to listen. Mm. And when I talk yeah. about listening, I'm not talking about just being quiet. I'm talking about quieting our initial reactions or even responses when someone's talking. Mm. To listen long enough to let the other person finish. And at the same time, when I pass someone in the office and I'm going to engage, you know, it's like, hey, how you doing? How are you? Nice day. I hope you're having a good day, stuff like that which is the kind of common pleasantries we engage in all day long, we can make it a little more intentional, what I call actually intentional chit-chat, so that I can actually pause with someone and just stop and say, how's your day going? And you know what? I find that a lot of times when that happens, people are a little shocked. You know, at first they go, fine, right, move on, right? But if I really ask the question, if someone really senses that I'm seeing them and paying attention to them, that can change my environment. Whether it's waiting online for the bank teller or on the phone with the airline or someone at work, right? To be able to give my attention for just a few moments seriously, right? Intentionally and seeing yeah. how does that start to build and develop. And that can grow into something much, much larger, which I can give you an example. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was on a plane from Europe, and, and, and the two seat, there was the aisle and two seats next to me. There was an Asian woman and another woman who was very special. And I say that because she was probably in her 50s, and she was looking out the window and going, oh, my God, I can see my suitcase. Can you see your suitcase? And talking to the woman, <laughs> are, you, are you Japanese? I've never met a Japanese. And the poor woman was reading a book and said, I'm Korean. Oh, I've never met a Korean woman before. That's so and I thought, oh, my God, eight hours of that. Imagine, <laughs> right? And then a few a couple hours later, I turn around, and the Asian woman's gone, and the other woman's there, and she tries to catch my eyes, and I just keep going. I avoid her. Two hours later, I turn around, the Asian woman's back, and I said, I, I just have to ask, what what happened? And she said, Well, the woman was driving me crazy, so I complained to the flight attendant, and they put me in business class. And I said, mm. So why are you here? She said, Well, she wanted her turn in business class. And now I thought, oh, the poor person in business class. Two hours <laughs> later, I turn around, and the other woman's back. And this time, she locks eyes with me. And this is what I felt. I felt myself just retreating and pulling back. And I think we all know that feeling of someone who's too needy, wants too much attention, whether it's in the workplace or in a social environment, and we avoid them. Now, you got to imagine someone like that, they're the majority of their experience of the world is people pulling away from them. Mm -hmm. So I leaned in towards this woman and I said, I started talking with her. And it was a really easy conversation for about five minutes. And then I said, I'm going to go back to my book now. And she went, okay. And I realized that these people who we find the most challenging, and I'm not inviting more of this, I have enough, but these can be our best teachers. They teach us about patience. They teach us about listening. And so the people that, you know, I teach groups a lot over long periods of time. 
And over time, I found there were students I would avoid, just like you'd avoid someone in the workplace, right? I just stay out of their way, right? And instead of doing that, I found myself engaging with these students more. It felt weird, it felt a little uncomfortable at first, but the outcome has consistently been that we develop a relationship that works better for whatever environment we're in. And of course, one of the questions that people ask then is, well, but then that person wants to be friends with me, okay? I actually find that doesn't happen, but if it does happen, which it can, then it's a question, can I have a clearer boundary? And when I say a clearer boundary, it's not no, it's no. It's a quiet no, it's a thoughtful no, it's not the aggressive no that we're all so used to. And so these are the kind of practices that, that I write about and talk about and think mm -hmm. that they're the seeds that we can plant to build a better life for everything we're doing. Yeah. And part of what you're saying, I mean, to, to open yourself up, especially to, you know, those who maybe you, you might find distracting, annoying, frustrating mm -hmm. in some way, um, it takes a level of generosity uh, with, yeah. with people. Right. And mm -hmm. also perhaps a, a recognition that in any given context, depending on who the mix of people are, we might be the one who's annoying, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've been and accused of that for sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's, it's like having, um, holding a place for people and seeing them in their innate value, despite, you know, what may be grading on the surface or whatever yeah. and being generous towards that person and just being kind, like you said, a, a, an act of kindness for just a few minutes with this person goes a really long way. And, you know, you know, this person you probably never have seen again in your life because it was on an airplane. Right. Um, yeah. And so you could have easily just ignored them and, and right. then told stories about them later, but instead right. you, you engaged, you engaged right. and tried to do it in a kind way probably yeah. made a difference to that person who, like you said, probably has spent most of their life having people pull away from them and then wondering yeah. why, why can't I connect with people? Why can't, yes. why won't people let me in? Why won't people um, be friends with me? You know, and right. th those are the types of things I think sometimes, you know, that's built on past trauma. That's built on a whole bunch of stuff that we don't have time oh, to unpack oh, yeah. here, but, you know, just showing that act of generosity and kindness towards those towards individuals, everyone around us, just like we yeah. would hope others would show us acts of generosity and kindness right. um, when the, when the, it's the shoe is on the other foot. Um, yeah. it, it just goes a really long way. And I found, you know, in the workplace, kindness, of course, goes a long way, but this generosity and generosity uh, in how we perceive the actions and intents of other people goes a really long way. And this is something I have to remind myself of often. You know, I often, you know, get frustrated. I'm like, what? That's stupid. That's a dumb decision. Why are we doing that? Why are we going in that direction? Or I may have like, it may be go against my values or it may, it just may seem like not well thought through or whatever. And it, and it may, it very well may be that the leaders who made that decision or that policy haven't thought through it very clearly or intentionally, but it, it makes all the difference in the world how I approach others. Right. And if I approach them with generosity, uh, you know, generosity towards what their intent was that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know many leaders who wake up in the morning thinking, how can I take advantage of my people and make things worse <laughs> for them and make them miserable? <laughs> like most, the, there, there are some narcissists who do that, but I, the, yeah, for the most part, 
people want to do right by others and people want to have a good workplace and people feel passion around the work that they do and they're committed to their organizations. And so even though I disagree strongly, if I can start from a place of generosity and kindness and how I approach them, that allows me then, if I do want to push back, if I want to provide a critique, if I want to provide a different perspective, I can do that in a much more proactive, productive way than I would ever be able to do if I just started lashing out and saying, you're stupid. That's insane. Why would we do that? You know, which may be my initial thought, you know, my initial um, reaction yeah. But I, I I can control that. I don't have to let that out. I can I can temper right. that, come back to a place of generosity towards that individual, and then have a productive dialogue. Yeah, you know when, when you you said two things in there that caught my attention, and one was the situation where there, someone's presenting something, you think it's idiotic and it doesn't not going to work and not thought through, and my response to that is again I come back to listening and say mm-hmm. so help me understand this better. Instead of me jumping back in and saying what's wrong with the project or what it should be doing, help me understand it. So then it becomes more conversational to the point where I can say, okay, I understand that, but now let me ask you, what happens in this scenario? Or what happens if this happens? And what happens if that happens? And so that's one thing, okay? To be able to open up the conversation so it doesn't feel so adversarial. And again, that comes from asking questions and I actually thought, like I, I had someone I was managing today and we were having a conversation. This man was teaching and I was giving him feedback. He did a great job. And yet when I started to talk to him, he kind of came at me and it wasn't quite defensive, but it was explaining what he was thinking. And I said, okay, start again. Cause I could feel myself reacting. Mm-hmm. And once he started to explain it, I could see the logic behind what he was doing and say, that makes sense. And what you're not considering is this and this and this. And he went, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Right. So that's one thing. And the word you use, which I like a lot, which is generosity, which, you know, in the dictionary, kindness is often defined as generosity. Funny thing about dictionary definitions is they'll describe the observation of the act, but they don't tell you how to do the act. So in definitions of kindness or generosity, well, generosity is giving. But giving has a lot of variables in it. Some people give to get, right? Some people, I think listening is one of the highest forms of generosity, actually, okay? But now, Mm -hmm. if you think of generosity, what does it mean to give something? So as I was talking before, like if you're going to the the coffee room at work, if you pass someone and say, you want me to bring you back a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. That surprises someone. Now, it may not be, and it likely may not be, that that person never asks you, that's okay. I have friends, older friends usually, you know, retired and are not very active and stuff, and they never call me. I call them. And that's just the nature of the relationship. So it's not the expectation that I get something back, but that I give an appropriate amount. Mm-hmm. And even in the idea of, being in a difficult conversation with someone, then I talk about the idea of tough love. What's tough love? People confuse tough love. They think I'm just being honest, when in fact, they're just being critical, right? Tough love is being able to hold your ground and explain something to someone that they may not be happy about. So, you know, it doesn't mean they have to be thrilled about what you're saying to them, especially if you're managing other people. 
but they understand that this is for the bigger benefit of what we're, our goals here, what we're actually doing, how we're trying to accomplish something. And so that tough love is something that starts out often with me, like, I need to have a conversation with you and I think it might be a little bit awkward. Is that okay? If they say no, I'm shut down. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Right? I said, well, okay, no. But if you feel ready to have a conversation, please let me know. So you give them a chance to make a choice in it rather than if I'm the boss just saying, you're going to sit here and listen to me, right? And even if they come to me and I'm the boss, right, and they want to have a conversation, I might say, okay, this isn't the right time, but let's make a time to do that. So we can really sit with it and have a, a mutual understanding of each other's needs and feelings at this time. I mentioned the word feelings. That's often something in the workplace that's not spoken about that mm -hmm. much. But needs can be understood. I need for you to be on time. I need for these reports to get done in a timely manner. I need for you not to slam the door every time. I need certain things that will help make this workplace a better environment for me. And then it's a request. The request is, do you think you can do that? Right? And that gives the person, again, the opportunity to reflect on it, think about it, and say, I'll do my best. Right? That's all we can do anyway. Right? See if that leads to something. When I think of generosity, most people think of you know, the, the idea of giving something. Right? And so there's a question of giving to ourselves, which is a bigger challenge, I think, for most, but then giving to others. So I had an experience when, when I was writing one of the chapters on generosity, and I was, t I, you know, I give little exercises after each chapter to do. So one on generosity was when you tip. For every $5 you tip, give another dollar. If it's a $15 tip, give another three, 18. If it's $20, give 24. And so I went out to dinner that night with some friends. It was a local place. I picked up the check of $70. So I give usually 20%, oh, $85. And then I thought, I'm going to give more. And I had a $100 bill in my pocket. And at that moment, I clutched. I'm like, ah, I can't do that. That's too much. What am I thinking about? That's way too much, right? And so I kind of worked that through with myself. And this is where kindness, liking ourselves can be challenging because we encounter aspects, habits that we didn't even know we had. So I left the $100. And when I got, and it was uncomfortable, but I also felt kind of good about it. When I got to the door to leave, the waitress stopped me and said, you just made my night. Mm. And I went, oh, you know, $15 more for me is not going to break the bank. For them, that was a big deal, you know. And so that, that's in the restaurants, right? But in mm -hmm. the workplace, how do we be a little bit more generous? If you go into the copy room, can I copy anything for you? All those little acts build up, and what eventually happens is you become the person in the workplace that people feel most comfortable around. Hmm. You generate a different quality of persona for something like that. And let's be honest, that can have its downside. Meaning if other people above you see that you're like too much, <laughs> that, can be a, that can be a bit of a challenge too. So we have to encounter the same way and say, okay, how do I engage with this person in a better way without threatening my job or any, or, or, or trying to one-up them in any way like that. Yeah, yeah, well said. 
Alan, this has just been a great conversation. I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. But before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, uh, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Okay, so you can, I have a website for the book called practicing-kindness.com. And the book's available on Amazon as a paperback. I like to say as a Kindle, uh-huh. and also as an audio, <laughs> and also as an audio book. I have a number of other websites for my other work and professions that I do. And if you just Google my name, I think that's the easiest way to find me. And if you do contact me, if you email me and you don't get an answer within three days, I didn't get it. So I'm very fast in responding to email, and I do respond to everything personally. So that's one thing. Um, I think the, the, the thing that, that I would like to leave people with is the idea of creating more kindness or liking ourselves more. At the beginning, the most we can do is plant a seed for this and watch this grow and develop so that I can say, I'm still learning to like myself more. I'm still learning to be a kinder person. And I have to say that as successful as I get, the next level of liking myself or kindness it's almost a bigger challenge because I have to reflect on things more, change more of my behaviors, do things that, like I said, may be a little uncomfortable at first. But if we all took the time to just plant that seed, those seeds, and nurture them and grow them over time, I think we have a chance to make the world a little bit better place than it is right now. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I completely agree. Alan, this has just been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Alan can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe, and please join us again soon.